Flash, calling Mr. and Mrs. Franco-American and all the chips at cheese. The criminals lurk in the underbelly, which, contrary to Porkbelly, these rascals are unsavory. But fear not, citizens. Your protector is here, cleaning up the streets and putting away the treats. Your hard-hitting podcast gumshoes with actual gum on their shoes are taking in the trash. When they're here, you're safe. When you're here, you're family. Calling JFC! Calling JFC! This is Dick Miller. If you're listening to Junk Food Cinema, who are these guys? prune faces and flat tops you have just popped into a very colorful very pulpy episode of junk food cinema brought to you by filmschoolrejects.com dot com dot when do we eat this is of course the weekly cult and exploitation film cast so good it just has to be fattening i'm your host brian salisbury and normally this is where i tell you that i'm joined by cargill but cargill is actually off toppling the notorious crime boss king shit and his enforcer ass face so in his stead <laughs> We have not one, but two special guests, old friends and the host of the Magical Mystical Film Alchemist podcast. They jumped on the back of a car to ride over here. Josh Griffey and Alex Dandino. Welcome, gentlemen. Uh, hello. Fr- hello, friends. It's kind of awkward, but I didn't know that me and Alex's uh, crime family names had been outed. So yeah, wow. <laughs> this is uncomfortable Great. for us. I guess, right? I'm change- <laughs> I guess ass faces no more, but all right. Fair enough. The Sad Demise of Assface was a 1957 radio serial starring Dick Tracy. I don't know if you guys knew about this. Oh, my God. Wait, are you serious? That is... F- no. Damn it. <laughs> God, you got me, Salisbury. I mean, if I learned anything today, it's that in the Dick Tracy universe, I would just Literally anything is possible. Yeah, like, whatever you say is in Dick Tracy, I'll be like, yeah, that's probably right. Yeah. So I've been wanting to cover this movie for a long time, but I would be absolutely lying if I didn't say that the reason we're covering it now (laughs) is something that transpired that I feel like if you didn't see is going to sound like I'm lying to you for the sake of a bit. And trust me when I tell you, gentle listener, it is very real. Dick Tracy zooms in. This may surprise you. It surprises me. And I was there, but. Last year, I had the pleasure of having a Zoom call with the famous lawman. Pleasure might be too strong a word. I still don't take off my hat and coat. Nowadays, you just never know when somebody's going to put you on television. (laughs) Pomegranates. Hey, we're all technocrats now. Look at us. We're on Zoom. We're on Zoom all the time. You know, I I used to think that the high point of technology would be my wristwatch radio. Uh, pomegranates. Did you tell Beatty you were impressed? What did he say? We we, we don't uh, we don't talk. I guess uh, you might say it was about the seriousness of movies. Well, uh, uh, justice, justice is uh, is serious. Pomegranates. Um, that's not a line from the original screenplay. Uh, that is in fact the name of a, an AMC TV special that aired just last week. <laughs> Interesting that you call it a TV special rather than a hostage video. That was that was a little closer to the vibe. It, it did really feel okay. So 
this is not the first time that this has happened. In fact, in 2010, Warren Beatty did the same thing to AMC, but I feel like it aired on more networks where he showed up in costume and had an interview with Leonard Maltin <laughs> in which, among other things, he just said the word pomegranates like 15 times. Yeah. Pomegranates. 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 Uh, pomegranates. <laughs> And his old friend, the blueberry. Yeah, it was a very like schoolhouse rock vibe. <laughs> it feels like the before oh video for Alzheimer's research. Oh, yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It feels like he's auditioning for Flowers for Algernon. <laughs> and- <laughs> the last chapter, he's like, I had it. And it's gone. <laughs> it, was, it was so bizarre. And it's one of those videos that feels like an insanity plea thing. Like he wants like Warren Beatty basically wants to murder someone. So he's like setting himself <laughs> up to like, see, I'm crazy. I can do it. I, just send me to, you know, a, a home and I'm, I'm done. Yeah, it feels like, uh, do you remember that cartoon Heathcliff where like they would try yeah. to catch him with giant nets and like, oh no, we got each other. Like this, is, I'm not like pro catching humans in giant nets normally. <laughs> but when I watched this, I was like, someone needs to scoop Warren Beatty's ass up and help him, right? Like him and Kanye, like there's a couple, like these guys need help right now. We got to <laughs> scoop these fuckers up with nets. Warren Beatty dressed up as Dick Tracy, who he seemingly despises to then insult himself and re- there's a point where they're bantering back and forth about who's responsible for them not meeting at the Polar Lounge. <laughs> uh, some of the hardest to watch TV I've ever seen in my life. Do you think Annette Benning knew he was going to do that? Because that's like, that was my biggest question is like, does Annette know that you're here? Like, who's watching him right now? Uh, good question. <laughs> I feel like the predominant thing you heard just before that Zoom started was just keep it down. I'm trying to, I'm trying to nap in here. <laughs> Yeah, right. Whatever, Warren. Just whatever you do, just keep it down. Warren, just stay in your study. I don't want to hear anything about this. Or an assistant just saying, Warren's on his Union 15. Quiet. (laughs) Quiet. (laughs) So we have this special that is, I guess, the follow up to the 2010 interview, where if you watch very closely, at one point, Ben Mankiewicz and Leonard Malton look down and realize they've stepped in the low point of their career. (laughs) As. As Dick Tracy, who once battled villains like Pruneface and Big Boy Caprice, is now battling punctuation and struggling <laughs> not to get to the third act, but the end of any given sentence. Yeah, he's battling what color the streets are and if they're too puss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pink streets? Are you shitting me, baby? Guys, guys, is it gay to have pink streets? <laughs> He's like, yeah, punching guys, that's pretty cool, but everything else, come on. Come on. It is like sitting there with your grandfather and like you're just like, oh, it's fine, man. Just for do a second, thing. I thought I was watching Bill Maher's new podcast where he's like, it's you, not me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Speaking of confusing things that you can watch on the Internet, I just <laughs> want to remind everybody that our entire back catalog is available on your favorite podcatcher and you can follow us on all your favorite social media platforms. And if you really like the show, Patreon.com slash Junk Food Cinema is a great way for you to financially support us and keep us afloat. I mentioned that because if you are a patron, you're probably already familiar with Alex and Griffey because uh, they have done a number of commentaries, patron commentaries with us. Uh, this is y'all's first appearance in the main feed universe. Woo! And yeah. I feel like I feel like we're. I won't say we've gotten off track because there's no way to talk about <laughs> Dick Tracy without talking about this insane development story. Yeah, yeah what and track is a de- there? <laughs> a development story that starts in 1975 and ends again last week and technically <laughs> is still ongoing. <laughs> Just hearing that sentence out loud kind of caught me off guard. Yeah, wow, that really that really threw me. I'm not gonna lie. That that's the thing is like we have superhero movies now. They're a common thing. They weren't really at the time. They weren't ubiquitous. But we also have the only one-off superhero film that is also a living, breathing entity that is older than I am. 
Do you know what I mean? It's and it's only one movie long, right. and yet somehow, <laughs> somehow, this is still it's still a thing that's ongoing. It's wow. a rare class. It's like this and Howard the Duck. You know, there's a couple where you're like, we needed more. <laughs> yeah, we need, I mean, Dick Tracy never is like a jizz mopper in Cleveland, but similar <laughs> other than that, that we know of. Yeah, that was a side. <laughs> that was a side quest. It was one of the rejected villains, Jizz Mop. When Dick Tracy hit the 80s and they're like, actually, we're going to start enforcing some of this civil rights shit you're breaking every time. He's like, well, great. I'm on a bus to Cleveland now. <laughs> and that's when Warren Beatty bought the rights and said, no more of this shit. No, I, <laughs> I, I, okay, so it sounds like it sounds like from the onset that we're talking about a movie that we all are, are enjoying shitting on. It's crazy because I deeply, genuinely love 1990s Dick Tracy. <laughs> Let's go. Big boy Caprice, <laughs> Breathless Mahoney, Flat Top, The DA, Prune Face, Mumbles, Lips Manless, and The Blank are out to get the greatest detective of all time. I'm rubbing him out. I want him dead. Nobody touches Tracy but me. Tracy. 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 You mind if I call you Dick? I was beginning to wonder what a girl had to do to get arrested. Wearing that dress is a step in the right direction. For a tough guy, you do a lot of pansy things. You're under arrest. Aren't you gonna frisk me? Hey, copper, maybe you want to look before you leap. When it's time to fight crime, he's your man. Walt Disney Pictures presents Warren Beatty as Dick Tracy. Whose side are you on? And Madonna as breathless Mahoney. Are you gonna make a move? Do I have to do everything? I'm on duty. Dick Tracy. I'm on my way. But you can't understand that movie unless you understand where it's come from and seemingly where it's going if the answer isn't a brick wall. But okay, let's 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 go back for just jump in the way back machine here and go to 1970 goddamn five when we have Warren Beatty, who is like the it man in Hollywood at the time, has this concept for a Dick Tracy film. Now, Dick Tracy, the character has existed in some format since 1931, starts off as a comic strip character, uh, goes into radio serials, gets, uh, you know, movie serials and then black and white movies based on those serials, television shows. It starts to grow and grow and grow. But really, the story of Dick Tracy can really jump from 1931 to 1989 when fucking Batman explodes like an <laughs> yep. atomic bomb and studios are scrambling to because you have to understand at the time superhero movies were so much not a thing that when the success of Batman led studios to believe that the success of that movie was, oh, people are interested in old comic strip characters like Batman. Right. That was right. the lesson that was taken away. <laughs> so they start snatching up characters like the Phantom and the Rocketeer and all of these sort yeah. of like older, you know, comic strip and uh, comic book characters, not really understanding that, you know, Batman was successful, A, because of Burton's style and B, because you had an entire generation of people who had grown up reading his stories. Like yeah. he was like one of the most popular characters in American canon. And yet it was just like, no, no, no it's because he was in the funny papers. It's like, uh, OK, fine, <laughs> whatever. But in 1975, Warren Beatty comes up with this idea for uh, a Dick Tracy movie. And at the time, the rights were owned by the Tribune Media Services because he, Dick Tracy first appeared in the Chicago Tribune. And a lot of the characters are loosely based off of historical 
crime figures from the the history of Chicago, namely Big Boy Caprice was named Alphonse Big Boy Caprice and was clearly modeled after Al Capone, which again means that uh, <laughs> means that Al Pacino has a long and storied history of playing characters based on Al Capone who are not Al Capone. <laughs> Never actually got to play Al Capone himself. Never actually got. He left that to his buddy uh, yeah. Bob. Bob De Niro got to play him in Untouchables, uh, but but I, I could go on and on and on. But basically, what happens is it goes to several studios. All these studios have different problems with it. What they're going to do with it? At one point, Steven Spielberg was going to direct it for Paramount, and they brought in Universal to co-finance. There was going to be a Paramount Universal co-production to bring Dick Tracy to the screen. Spielberg falls out. Then they then they hired John Landis. And John Landis is uh, courting people like Clint Eastwood for the title role uh, because at the time, Warren Beatty didn't want to play Dick Tracy. He just wanted to make this movie. And so they're, they're courting all these people. They have a new screenplay. But it turns out Landis had some uh, legal issues that he had to focus on yeah, to, uh, stemming from you know, the accident. whole killing people on set. Yeah, that whole thing. That that thing. That thing. So <laughs> that's all glitch. That little tiny hiccup, yeah, absolutely, where people <laughs> fucking died on set. Uh, but they were also considering like Harrison Ford, Richard Gere, Tom Selleck, Mel Gibson. Um, so he, yeah, Landis leaves because of the whole I have to you know be on trial for my life. And then um, Walter Hill comes on to direct, and Joel Silver's going to produce. And at this time, we get another draft of the script. And Hill, this is when Hill approaches Warren Beatty for the title role. But as pre-production goes on, he, he realizes he can't work with with Beatty, and they. <laughs> They leave, he leaves the project and then Beatty leaves the film and Paramount begins developing it as a low budget project with Richard Benjamin directing, who then leaves to make City Heat. So at this point, this is like 1985, Warren Beatty goes, fuck this shit. I'm just going to buy the rights myself for $3 million and I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to go pitch this to my friends, uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg and Michael Eisner, who had just moved from Paramount to Disney. That's how this movie ends up a motherfucking Disney film. <laughs> and when you when you watch Dick Tracy between Madonna air humping the entire movie yeah. and the wanton violence of what clearly had to be the Walter Hill draft of the script. Right. It is baffling to me that Disney is in any way behind this. Now, of course, they moved it over to Touchstone because that was their secret like uh, dodge of right. anything adult. It's that like, was like yeah, the Miramax. That was like the Miramax play too. Like Miramax was always yes. the place Disney made like Pulp Fiction. One hundred percent. So uh, yeah, at this point, they go through a couple more directors. One of them being Martin Scorsese, who says, <laughs> "No, nah, I." <laughs> This is this is a fact. Martin Scorsese was apparently interested, but decided to go make this other movie, Goodfellas, instead. Awesome, smart move, smart move. Uh, so eventually, Beatty's like, "Look, if you want, I'll direct it myself, as long as I also get to play Dick Tracy." And the problem they were having at the time was finding someone to play Dick Tracy. So they're like, "Yeah, great, two birds, one stone. Let's do it." And then we have the version of Dick Tracy that we know. And that is just like, that is the most Reader's Digest condensed version of this insane road from Warren Beatty going, you know, it would be cool to Disney actually <laughs> making Dick Tracy in 1990. Of course, after the absolute explosion of Batman, which brings me to where you guys come into my tirade. Where did you first see, what was your first exposure to Dick Tracy? And what was your opinion of it when you first saw it? So I remember seeing... This was the era, right, where we were having, like, sleepover parties and our parents would mm -hmm. rent us tapes, right? And so that was the era where I had that ill-fated birthday party where the, the Nana thought she was renting Flash Gordon and she bought us Flesh Gordon. 
So our third gate swimming party turned into a porno party. But in that era, we were always just watching these tapes. And like, you wanted to know the previous, you could have the hot tape for your party. So you want to get made fun of on the bus. And I remember seeing Madonna in the trailer, right? And the line in the trailer was, aren't you going to frisk me? And you're like, holy fuck, right? It was like a new Jessica Rabbit, but in the flesh. Right, yeah. So that's how I knew I had to get my hands on this tape. But I had to make sure that my parents had not seen that Madonna was in it because she was like a cultural uh, fire starter, right, for Midwestern yeah. parents. So I had to try to trick them into getting Dick Tracy for me. So one weekend we went to one of my dad's friend's house and they let us have Dick Tracy. And I watched it and thought there was not enough Madonna humping the set when I was maybe like <laughs> 10 years old. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I saw it. Um, To your point, though, right? I feel like we sound like we're taking a shit on it. I also genuinely enjoy this film. It's It's a really strange... Not only kind of time capsule, but just like a how the fuck does this movie exist? And I always appreciate that. Um, So I actually do really enjoy that was the saddest part about Dick Tracy zooms in is he's like, what are like the two or three things that are most memorable from this original movie? Right. The amazing sets, the lighting, the uh, the weird fucking costumes for the bad guys. And he just immediately Dick Tracy goes, all that stuff sucked. That stuff was terrible. Warren, Warren yeah. Beatty sits there and proceeds to shit on everything that literally either was nominated for yeah, or yes. won an Academy Award. Everything that was Academy Award worthy of that movie wound up being like, this is not the Dick Tracy. I, w- I remember me, Dick Tracy. And I'm like, you are dressed in a yellow top hat and yellow coat. But all right, go for it, sir. One thing I know for sure watching Warren Beatty in Dick Tracy Zooms In is that Dick Tracy Zooms In is really funny to Warren Beatty. <laughs> Only person who gets the joke that no one else. He thinks it's hilarious. Yeah. Again, we got to scoop this fucker up with a net. Sorry yes. to interrupt. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get his ass. A net. We need a, a net. net bending. We don't have to put him uh, in a boiler room, but maybe just like a cage with a pillow. We got to catch fucking Warren I think, Beatty. I think collective ho- collectively hollywood needs to sit down with a net bending and be like what are you gonna do about this like the bait the baby's not all right you've she's already done one of acting these with Let's people that aren't herself in costume dude she's got a career <laughs> that's the difference Look, right now to catch this guy we've already got the baby we just need a net yeah so uh, that is, well done. it's See? the most dangerous game that's that's what the next call is going to be the next zoom call that he does to keep the right story to dick tracy is going to be called the most dangerous game and it's about Beatty being hunted by a net yeah look i thought you were going to say he rolls over and unplugs his cpap machine <laughs> <laughs> every night also to pop. gamble in dick tracy's bedroom <laughs> <laughs> that's but see that's the thing is because a couple one of the mistakes that he makes in good faith is that he brings on uh two of the artists who worked on Dick Tracy as producers even though they weren't really involved in the film. Um uh, they weren't involved in the production. We're talking about Art Linson and Floyd Mutrix is I, I believe yeah. how you pronounce his name. So they're credited as co-producers uh and they had the rights first before Beatty bought it from them. But after the release of the movie, they've actually sued Beatty because they thought that they were owed a portion of the profits of the film and it's like I can understand Beatty being like uh I was being nice putting you on there as producers. Like you didn't actually do anything. But that actually caused him to not be able to do anything for a couple of years until that was litigated. And then somehow the result of that was in order for him to keep the rights, he had to do something with the character every at least once every 10 years. Right. And that's why we get things like Dick, like Dick Tracy zooms in and whatever the fuck from 2010 that was pomegranate Dick Tracy in pomegranate face like that. <laughs> that's why those things exist. So he's literally like 
Dick, Dick Tracy watches Fox News all morning. It is. <laughs> Dick, Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy catches up on Hannity from the night before. That's the next one. Dick Tracy and the Red Pill. No, the, I. <laughs> I think we could all agree to be little blue pills. But my point is, I think that all of this, him being, and pun entirely intended, dicked around by literally every studio yeah. in existence from 1975 onward, I really do think now, because I was with everybody else, I thought he was just being petty, like, I have no intention of making another movie, which he clearly does not, but I don't want anyone else to do a movie, I don't want anyone else to play Dick Tracy, this is mine, I'm going to take my ball and put it on AMC and then go home. <laughs> But now I'm starting to think he is protective of it because he had to go through so much horse shit to get this movie made. Yeah. That would and make I think sense. It's, just, it's like a trauma thing for him. It's like Dick Tracy yeah. is a weird security blanket yeah. in the business for Warren Beatty. And it kind of it kind of made me feel for him a little bit. I, I don't know about anybody else. Like, Cause like this was I remember this being like an important thing for me when I was a kid. Like it was like this coming out, Batman, and then the Ninja Turtles movies. We're like, I'm yeah. like, oh my god! Like all these comic book things. Like, of course, now like kids now are so spoiled. Like this was like exactly what we had. I remember, like, I saw this movie on VHS too after we had moved to Noblesville, and I went to the Kenley's supermarket, and there was um, the movie, and then I found out there were these cartoons. Which, if you ever watch the like Dick Tracy cartoons, they're horrifyingly racist. Like, just like. <laughs> absurdly terrifyingly yeah. racist like there's these horrible but because he just sends the other character he sends these characters out um he like talks to him through his watch and sends them out on missions essentially he never does them mm-hmm. himself he's like the worst he's just like a manager it's weird um <laughs> but yeah i remember this movie i love this movie love like this i had movie. so much fun watching this i have so much fun watching this movie and my memories of it are that much like even as like even at my age now my memories when i was a kid of enjoying this are still like very present you have just tapped into something dandino that i really appreciate because i saw this movie i was like six years old and just dug the hell out of it i remember really really liking it even as a kid and i'm starting to realize that I liked it because it was big and colorful and the characters were all weird looking. Yeah. And what other property that was so important in my life had a bunch of weird, gross looking characters? Oh, uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yep. Garbage pale kids. Oh we God. had a lot of this in our childhood. We had a lot of like supposedly gross looking things. Like that was like part of the charm of like and like also this is nineteen ninety and there's still just like this weird dark market of like, yeah, whatever you want to put up there, let's do it. Like we haven't hit like we haven't really hit um like See, 89 uh, Little Mermaids come out. So we're like at the very beginning of the Disney Renaissance. So nothing crazy has happened yet at Disney. They're still just trying to find their feet. The fact that Dick Tracy comes out and is this look and feels this way is so fucking awesome. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, it's never not fun to watch. It could not have been accidental that you'd name drop Little Mermaid and then said Disney was trying to find its feet. Right. <laughs> like that. I that mean, had to be intentional. Sometimes right? I get lucky with those. I think Eric so, downgraded. Wow. If I'm honest, <laughs> like get those well. fucking get that fin back on, lady. Let's go. <laughs> After these messages, we'll be right back. Extra, extra, read all about it. Owl, big boy. 
Cowboy Caprice and his men Mumbles, Flattop, Itchy, and Influence have called a meeting with Pruneface to get him to join their mob. Pruneface agrees, and with weapons drawn, they swear to get Dick Tracy once and for all. Suddenly, sirens blare, searchlights fill the room, and the door bursts open. It's Dick Tracy and his right-hand man, Sam Ketchum. Big Boy's gang is finished for now, but can Tracy keep him behind bars? Find out next time. But yeah, you really have helped me solve a mystery in my life, which is like, why as a six-year-old did I love this movie so much? And it's because it was basically 1930s Ninja Turtles. Yeah. And, th- and th- th- on top of that, my parents bought the soundtrack, which we're going to get into the music oh, in this dude, yeah. very shortly yeah. and probably talk about it for an hour in and of <laughs> itself. Can we take our shirts off like Danny Elfman when we do it? <laughs> way, ahead, way ahead of you. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is uh, officially an OnlyFans podcast. No, the thing is... <laughs> my parents bought this soundtrack and they played it like almost every weekend so i was intimately familiar with all the songs all the steven sondheim songs yeah that were created for this movie and all the songs that madonna sang but on top of that i had a boatload of the toys do you guys remember the weird looking fucking toys awesome they were i don't i was in i think in the 90s it was like when battle trolls was hitting that was like my shit back then Oh yeah, oh yeah. They're like, uh, they're like, you like, want trolls, but like Butch, right? With like Conan yeah, the Barbarian exactly. weapons. You're like, yeah, this is way cooler. You still have to brush the hair, but like, I feel better about it. They were like, like my weird. dad will throw rocks at me if I'm playing with these. I couldn't. I had to pull up a reference because I had forgotten. But they were like those weird little squatty toys. Yeah, very straight, so yeah. square, so square, Just yeah, perfectly square. And there's a lot of like, I feel like Dick Tracy as a property is cursed. It really, it really is like it is now. Yeah. Getting involved in anything related to Dick Tracy is like being on the cover of Madden. Yeah. Like it's just there's a curse <laughs> that goes along with it. I'm telling you, no, I've been again. I've been going full Pepe Sylvia with the fucking history of Dick Tracy for this episode. And one of the things I noticed is there's multiple times in the history of Dick Tracy developing it as a property when things only move forward when somebody dies. Good lord! Like literally, Ugh. here's here's an example. So the original film, the first film based on the first serial, gets released in the 40s and stars Ralph Bird as Dick Tracy. And they eventually, in the early 50s, decide that they're going to make a television series out of Dick Tracy. It's going to be an action-packed weekly series. And Bird dies of a heart attack at 43 while making this show. And it is widely considered that what caused his heart attack was the, the strenuous stunts and the like night and day shooting schedule of making this show. So Dick Tracy literally (laughs) kills Dick Tracy in 1951. (laughs) It's not funny that somebody died, but there's like, there's something about like, sorry, I'm shooting for 24 hours, horrifying death. And you're like, I'm sorry. I know it's not funny that somebody died, but it is kind of it does like tickle me a little that someone's like, sorry, we've been shooting for 24 hours and this guy's heart gave out. I don't get it. Like we drowned him. We punched him like was like, I don't know. What are we going to do? We we stocked the craft table with black coffee and cigarettes <laughs> yeah, and oh, yeah. literal raw red meat. Yeah. I don't know what the problem. I don't was. understand. There's stacks of T-bone steaks and cigarettes <laughs> right next to it. I don't understand what his problem is. Back then it was like, okay. yeah, being a Hollywood stuntman or an elephant trainer. Those were the two most dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Never forget. Look, so, so wait, as Brian, are you saying that that yeah. trench coat is essentially like a sar- like a Hollywood Sarlacc pit? Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. Nice. Yes, that's nice. exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> and then in the 80s, when they start to develop this uh, this movie idea and the original script sounds badass, the original script that was turned in by uh, Tom Mankiewicz, no relation to the guy who lost his soul in the middle of <laughs> Tracy Zooms in. <laughs> 
the the original script that he wrote is that blank the blank was going to be the main villain and was going to open with a police officer who'd been shot and was like dying and is sitting there with a sketch artist trying to like get all the details of the guy who shot him <laughs> but before the sketch artist can begin this cop looks at what he like just basically looks at the outline and goes that's him and dies oh, that's and that's like the mystery that it sounds amazing and one guy who's really really on board with that is Chester Gould, the creator of Dick Tracy. He's like, oh my God, that's got to be the script. Let's do this. Let's get it into development. But then he's got all of these demands on top of that that the studio doesn't want to deal with, so they shelve it. And then he dies. And they're like, okay, now we're willing to uh, to do a Dick Tracy movie again. And that's when Warren Beatty buys the rights. So this is like some weird wow. cursed artifact that like travels from person to person destroying lives. And it trickles <laughs> all the way down. This is crazy. It trickles all the way down to the development of the toy line. There are two instances where they had to discontinue uh, figures in the toy line because of controversy. The first comes in the fact that the blank action figure, and this is a spoiler if you haven't seen Dick Tracy. (laughs) The blank action figure that they put out, I believe it was Playmates that put it out. You could take the blank face off and underneath was Madonna. (laughs) <laughs> which basically spoiled the end of the fucking movie. Oh my God. That's awesome. So they pulled that one. Uh, but of course you can still find some of them on eBay going for about a thousand dollars. They've become this instant like collector's item. Wow. You just saved me five minutes of Googling. Thank you. Can you, can you imagine like Feige dealing with something like that today? With, like the Marvel, he would fucking kill someone. I would, I right. would, that would be amazing. <laughs> They're going to go through 37 layers of quality control and research before they before they even touch anything, right? right like, right. there's no way this shit's happening again. The other one was the character in the movie, if you remember when we were introduced to the kid, he is the the weird ward to this... Like, yeah, the, like the mush-face guy? The mush-face guy who yeah. basically looks like if Fagin had psoriasis. You know, like... <laughs> That's that's pretty much what we're working with here. And that character's name is Steve the Tramp. And that is his character name from the comics. But the problem is you release that toy, this character that was created in the 30s, you release that toy in the 90s, and activist groups are like, you know, you're really painting homeless people as ugly monsters. (laughs) And maybe you shouldn't do that. So they pull that one, and that one becomes a collector's item. That's what this curse trickles down even to the fucking marketing of this movie. And they just call him guy who beats his son. Steve who beats yeah. his son. <laughs> Steve yeah. who beats his kid. Makes it more relatable for audience. Steve who beats the kid. They just called him Alabama Steve. And, uh, <laughs> it, the, it I warned her twice, it, Steve. Right? <laughs> as long as it's not offensive to anyone, that's the trick. <laughs> Okay, tough guy. Now do you want to give the kid a piece of chicken? So let's talk about the actual movie. We've talked a lot about the context and the insanity surrounding it. Let's talk about the movie itself. Directed by Warren Beatty. Uh, It's basically just the comic strip detective that that your parents all knew and loved. Your excuse me, your grandparents all knew and loved. uh, Who (laughs) is taking on Big Boy Caprice, the head of the underworld in undetermined city, supposedly based on Chicago. And um, there's the secondary villain running around. The blank who is who is causing problems for both Big Boy and Dick Tracy. Thirteen montages happen and credits. Yep. So yeah. yeah. So that's that. The movie is kind of thin on plot, or it's maybe vin- it's, it's vignetti. That's all. Vin- vignetti. I believe there's a character in the original comic strip named Vignetti. <laughs> that's that's the character. Yeah, that was that was one of the characters. Vinny the Vin Vignetti. Vinny the vignetti. Like, what, what does that mean? Vinny Vignetti. Yeah. 
Uh, I feel like the first thing we got to talk about is this cast. Yeah. Because holy dear shit. God, dear God. Did Warren Beatty just call everyone? He's like, listen, you got to do this. I don't give a shit what <laughs> you like, think. So, I made reds. Yeah. So what do you want to do? Those parties at my house, I had people photographing everything you yeah. were doing. <laughs> Remember those key parties? <laughs> I've got photos. Let's do. We this. all we all know that Geraldo Rivera made a huge boner by opening Al Capone's vault on live TV. <laughs> but really, the greatest mistake he made was not opening the vault where Warren Beatty stored all the blackmail material that he used to get the entire Screen Actors Guild into this fucking. Seriously, movie. I mean, I'd forgotten. By the way, Dick Van Dyke was in this movie, yeah. and when he popped up, I was like, "Is that fucking Dick Van Dyke? What the fuck? Who is not in this movie?" And the thing is, nobody is uncommitted to this. Nobody no. is sleepwalking through this movie. And let's talk about Dick Van Dyke, who broke his septuagenarian shoulder in the scene <laughs> where he gets shot while making this movie. And that's the take they use. There's a lot of that going around in this yep, movie. Of, yep. yep, that's the take they use. Uh, but I'm just going to run down some of the people in this movie. And you can yell at me for the ones I miss. Of course, Warren Beatty as Dick Tracy. We have Charlie Corsmo as Kid. We have yep. William Forsythe as Flat Top. Edda Ross as Itchy. Glenn, Glenn Hedy, excuse me, Glenn Headley as Tr- Tess Truehart. Mm, so Mark Cassell as Sam. Charles Durning as Chief Brandon. Charles Fleischer actually plays a reporter, the voice of Roger Rabbit. And there was a Roger Rabbit card. Okay. It's Roger Rabbit for cartoon in front of the screening, right? In front of this movie, which is so confusing because this is a (laughs) violent, sexual, touchstone movie that has a Roger Rabbit cartoon playing in front of it? Yeah. That had to be confusing for everyone in that theater. I don't know, man. If you were into Roger Rabbit, like that was saying like... It probably would have been the same vibe. You've heard of puberty. It's true. time for that now. That's what Roger Rabbit like, was for us. So. You know when it would have been. You know when it would have been confusing is the universe where the Walter Hill version of this movie made it to the screen, and everyone's like, "I, I, I should have brought my kid in here." That was not. We watched Roger Rabbit, and now we watch a Walter Hill movie. Like that's <laughs> that's the version that would have fucked up a lot of generations. Dude, Roger Rabbit, when they killed that little shoe, that movie fucked up everyone who watched yeah. it. It was already. yeah. Regardless, Roger Rabbit fucked people up. But like, this is like <laughs> one of those things where if the Walter Hill version of Dick Tracy had made it to screen, like people would have been like walking out of the theater, like I did not bring my kid to this. That was not appropriate. I came here to watch a baby with the adult voice of Rosie O'Donnell slap his assistant's ass. <laughs> not okay. Yeah. Not okay. That's what I came here for. If I may, please present my Who Framed Roger Rabbit counterpoint. All of the things you're describing happen after the opening cartoon. The <laughs> opening cartoons are supposed to be the the yeah. bright, shiny, yeah. kitty right. cartoon world that is being presented in. It's like the world that the Roger Rabbit story exists in. So if they had, if let me let me just put it this way: you guys would be correct if the opening cartoon was Judge Doom just dipping shoes. <laughs> if that was the entire opening cartoon, I would agree with you. But it's not. It's like a wholesome baby, baby Huey. What was that fucking kid? Baby, whatever. Baby Ralph, whatever. Right. It's it's that cartoon. It's not Roger Rabbit in the CD film noir for kids like after story. It is just a fucking Roger Rabbit cartoon that plays before Dick Tracy, where Madonna actually utters the line. I got fresh peach, but it's starting to run a little. Dude, folks, dude, holy shit. Still. What a line. Every time. I have watched porn that has more sexual subtlety than madonna's dialogue in this movie and let me let me just be clear a lot of porn that has more (laughs) sexual subtlety than the dialogue that madonna has in this movie no grief for lips i'm wearing black underwear 
You know, it's legal for me to take you down to the station and sweat it out of you under the lights. I sweat a lot better in the dark. As she is playing Breathless Mahoney. Breathless, what a great character yeah, name yeah. There's, from the original comic. There's more subtext in most porn scripts than there is in this. Like, it is pretty. And th- I'm talking about porn scripts that just have text. Like, there's no subtext, yeah. and yet you'll yeah. find it. No, but she's super text. When you put the captions on and you're like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. my God. No. There's a scene where she just walks in. She's wearing the dress from Legend, right? When she's dining with the Prince of Darkness. And just fucking puts her elbows and her knees on his desk. And it's like, what's up? And, and just like, like leans over to amazing. take a drink. She's like, yeah. good lord. Dude, that that was not what she was talking about when she's like, let's get a drink. No, That's not no. what she okay. was saying. Let me ask you this question. What is creepier? Like in her prime Madonna trying to seduce a 60-year-old Warren Beatty? Or the fact that an in her prime Madonna was at that time dating a 60-year-old Warren Beatty? Because they were dating when they made this movie. Are you serious? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I can't wrap my head around how this is a real thing, but they were dating at the time they made this movie. Well, that wow. explains the rebound with Rodman. Yeah, um, that, yeah, I'm really. I'm really I'm, <laughs> how can I get the furthest away from X Warren Baby? <laughs> this is really recontextualizing for me. Yeah. Papa, don't preach indeed. That's right. Uh, I don't know, man. I, Madonna, oh, come on. I watched this well movie done. specifically oh, because of that line about frisking her in the trailer. Yeah, sure. And it fucking lives up to the hype. She is sex on a stick in this movie. Totally. And in this weird kind of way that like, as you watch it now, it hasn't aged well with us. Like I was watching it as like a, essentially a child trying to be a man. Mm -hmm. Now it's like a lot of guys just like hitting her and being like, shut the fuck up. You're like, all right, well, this is not as sexy as I remember. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But like, that was a big draw for me when I was a kid. Right. was, was just watching Madonna do Madonna shit in this movie. I think the funniest thing about this cast is if there is one person in this movie I would recast, it's Warren Beatty. Yeah. Yes. He's bringing yes, absolutely War- nothing to this movie while everyone else is. Warren Beatty <laughs> seems to be the only one who doesn't realize he's in a Dick Tracy movie. He's the only one. Yeah. Everyone else is totally committing to it. He's the only one who's like, I'm a real actor. I was in Reds and also Heaven Can Wait. Here we go. <laughs> Look, he used the word technocrat and Tracy zooms in. What the but fuck, he looks dude. like a guy who would be dude. terrified of his camera light on his laptop. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> in ten years, we're in ten years we're gonna get another Dick Tracy where he's just like you know he's like talking to a chair on stage at the RNC rally for <laughs> sure. But he keeps calling it Big Boy. The, ne- the next Dick Tracy, yeah, he'll be a, he'll be a hologram at Coachella in ten years. <laughs> oh, look at this group of kids listening to tunes. <laughs> dude, that would be the best. That's the second best hologram idea I've had. The first best hologram at a concert would be if you just put the hologram of Def Leppard's other arm in there, the drummer from Def yeah. Leppard. Just I hologram give you that. the other arm. Hologram <laughs> companies, get at me. We'll make tell He would think he was fighting Eddie the Couch Potato Coachella. Like he would think that. <laughs> oh my God, is it marijuana and people banging? Good Lord. <laughs> It's just I don't feel I feel like that energy is also present in his performance in this movie where there's multiple scenes where he just looks confused and a little scared. Yeah. And I'm not even talking about moments where people are trying to shoot him, but just like by the general motion of. Yeah. A lot of shots where he's just like, is that was that the end of the take? All right. Yep. Did someone say soup soup? No. um, (laughs) Is Dick Tracy one of the worst fucking detectives ever in a movie? (laughs) I will counter your question with another question. Is Big Boy Caprice the worst gangster of all time? No. no. Absolutely. Whatever happened in the universe, right? 
I feel like there are time travelers with future weapons that their only job is to make sure that Al Pacino exists in this movie. That this role is like a crucial moment in our history. So there's this. I was I was actually so I was watching this and I realized that Al Pacino. This is like this is ninety. This is 1990. Al Pacino. He's like a year or two away from winning an Oscar for Scent of a Woman. But this is also the version of Al Pacino that everyone uses as the shtick that is the Al Pacino impression. Yeah. Like in, this is the Al Pacino impression. In a movie based on a comic strip where actors are literally made up to look like living cartoons, <laughs> Al Pacino is still the most cartoony thing in yeah. the movie. He's doing an Al Pacino impression. Like you think about like that that uh gif of the from Heat, that is like this entire energy the whole the movie. Great ass. That's this whole movie. He's not just chewing the scenery. He takes the scenery, flambays it, and eats it while it's still <laughs> yeah, on yeah. the fire. He's having Gordon Ramsay cook it for him, and then he eats it. Like, yeah. it's insane. Dustin Hoffman's in the back just clapping whenever there's a new course, like it's the menu. <laughs> let's let's Jurgen pause now so I can go back to my IMDb listicle, because I still have only named about 124th of the fucking cast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. So we mentioned Madonna. Her sidekick in this movie is a piano player, 88 Keys, played by Mandy Patinkin, Mandy Patinkin. who is almost unrecognizable in this movie. Until you just said that i forgot that was him do you think it was the sondheim thing they were like we got to have one guy in here who can sing sondheim so they're like patinkin we'll do it i th- i think it's because they could say he was patinkling the ivories there, and, we, go. Uh, <laughs> there we go that's really the joke i wanted to make that's that charm i was looking for i like that <laughs> oh you have come to the wrong place paul sorvino is in this movie as well yeah. because again yep. goodfellas has Good to fella. be represented uh, we also have, of course, Al Pacino as Big Boy Caprice. We have James Tolkien, uh, better known, of course, as Strickland from the Back to the Future movies. Yep. We we have R.G. Armstrong as Pruneface, who was one of my favorite character actors. He was in movies like Predator and First Blood and The Car and all kinds of fucking amazing films. But I love that Pruneface, that some producer floated the idea that Pruneface would be played by Ronald Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck oh yeah, dude. Because his wife liked jelly beans. That's perfect. <laughs> that would have been so well, sweet. Well, mommy, we gotta go fight that Dick Tracy character. <laughs> that Dick Tracy guy's a real real what was I gonna say? Real problem. That, that, I like yeah, the, that's yeah. I mean. As he was starting to like fucking get dementia, he just wakes up in the actual White House while his wife's doing his job and he actually <laughs> thinks he's in a Dick Tracy movie. <laughs> well, well, dude, that would have been the fucking best. From from what I hear, Mama, you can really handle a dick. So maybe you help me <laughs> take down Dick Tracy. You, I don't know if this is Oop. too crass for your show, Brian. We 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 are not the classiest of shows. Yeah, we're um, not. Classy. I'm sorry. Have you ever listened to a single episode of this show? <laughs> I listen to, to all your that shows too. that are movies we haven't covered because I don't want to steal your your brilliance and be ripping you <laughs> up. But um, did you hear the thing a couple years ago where it came out where they were calling Nancy Reagan the throat goat? That's actually what I was yeah. referring to when I said that she knows how to handle dick. Yeah, so okay. I, I was just checking. You're not you too crass at all. This amazing. I mean, if you've got a Saturday morning, just Google throat goat memes with Nancy Reagan. It is. I thought that was always a thing because of uh, National Lampoon with uh, Nancy Reagan's Guide to Cocksucking. That was always what I always thought that was a thing. <laughs> I mean, this just popped up a couple years ago. Uh, oh, I no hear sure. what she said. She said there was some quote of her taken out of context about being like a better you know, moral person, and they brought back all this fucking throat coach shit. Awesome. Neither here nor there. She's not in the movie. So then we have Dustin Hoffman as Mumbles, so the world did not have to wait long for that Ishtar reunion. Uh, so I'm sure we were really- <laughs> wow. Can we really hit the button here? That. 
is this the most demeaning casting of like a pretty well-known and popular actor of the time that has ever happened? Uh, is it more or less demeaning to know that originally they wanted Gene Hackman and Gene Hackman said no because he didn't want to be directed by Warren Beatty again after Reds? <laughs> now, if you got Gene Hackman to play Mumbles, I might have cried watching this movie. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I, I was watching Hoffman where he's like sitting there and there they're, he's trying to hand him a glass of water that's out of like a polar bear statue where the water yeah. faucets his dick. Yeah, yeah, those are real, like, by the way. Wasn't Dustin Hoffman considered a good actor in this period? Like, what happened to poor Dustin? I love the, <laughs> I love the idea that they would release that merch, no notes, but they forgot to check about Mr. Tramps and uh, and <laughs> the secret face under the blank. I like to think that as demeaning as the makeup and like the like character bits get, that was how bad the blackmail was that Beatty had on them from their key uh, parties in the seventies. Oh yeah, like Dustin Hoffman must be like. Dawson, you know, Dustin Hoffman must have like he must have like fucked somebody with a turkey baster and then like <laughs> drank it. And that's well, like, I mean, what do you want to do? I'll, I'll put it out there or you oh, can be mumbles. We're king shaming now. OK, that's cool. I'm not king shaming, shaming anyone. I'm saying Dustin Hoffman's got problems. He's not king shaming. He's dick tracing. Yeah. Dick uh, tracing, Come on. But the thing is, like Dustin Hoffman, what we know about him now, it's not it's not terribly hard to believe that maybe it was easy to get some dirt on Dustin yeah, I'm sure at the he's time. Fine. So you're saying <laughs> sure if, if Warren Beatty just hadn't needed a top-notch actor to play fucking Mumbles, the fifth gangster, <laughs> that maybe there would have been victims that would have been spared? <laughs> this is a cursed fucking movie. You're right. This is insane. Dude, it yeah. is. <laughs> it's a leap, but I'm going to allow it. Uh, so moving on, like the other <laughs> crazy thing about this movie is that people who show up for like one scene are fucking Oscar winners. Like yeah. Kathy Bates is Kathy in Bates. one scene of this movie. Wait, Kathy Bates was in this? Where the fuck? She's the stenographer. She, yeah, oh she's the one trying to God. figure out what Mumbles is saying. The year that she's in fucking misery, she's also in this for five fuck. minutes. I totally she fucking mu- miss that. That's insane. She must have got. She must have got real kinky at that key party. There's no <laughs> way. And like, a, one of the background cops in one scene is Cole Meany. Like, there's what? just like it's all yeah. over this movie. Yeah, I'm serious. And then you have Dick Van Dyke, as we mentioned. Catherine O'Hara plays a small role. Yeah. That was the one. The she's like one of the gangsters at like the big meeting that um, Big Boy has. I did not know that was her until I had I had to fucking look it up on Wikipedia. I was like, oh, and wow. again, the same year as Home Alone. So he's getting these people to take time away from their fucking breakout project. Oh shit! And James Con too. Holy yeah. shit! In misery that year. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, the entire cast of Misery is also in Dick Tracy the year Misery comes out. <laughs> Whose ankles did he have to break to make that happen is what I want to know. Yeah, were they just driving to other more successful movies on a golf cart and just being like, we got room for two? Well, it's like a partridge that. family. It's like a partridge family bus that says like Dick Tracy auditions across the side. We're like, come on in, folks. That's all it is. Michael J. Pollard in this movie, Henry Silva in this movie, like, like there's just there's huge stars. There's great character actors. I mean, like you just all the way down to the fact that the blanks voice is Frank Welker, who is like the guy who does all of the voices awesome. of everything. He was also the voice of the knife in the shadow. He's the voice of the Anaconda in Anaconda. He just has that very distinctive voice. Uh, although I will say, I think he was also the voice of uh, the fake bounty hunter Princess Leia in Return yeah. of the Jedi. Isn't, that, isn't it the same voice? It sounds like the same voice, right? Yeah. The blank's about to tell uh, 88 Keys like that Dick Tracy has carbonation right. sickness. <laughs> yeah. 
You're suffering from hibernation sickness. Hibernation, not oh, carbonation I sickness. Thought, That's <laughs> when I drink too much Diet Dr. Pepper. I get carbonated. But I thought the exact same thing. I was like, this is the same voice yeah. as that helmet in Jedi. Dick Tracy's that, drinking too much crazy. Surge Cola and he's got carbonation sickness. <laughs> I like the idea. Yeah, I've heard us being like, I hope he unthaws faster. My peach is rolling. It's so wet. Oh, my God. <laughs> You know the one, the one character actor in this movie that I love that he's like clearly in the movie as a real person in the universe is Seymour Cassell. Like, oh, he's, yeah, he's like the only one who's like, yeah, I live here. It's fine. Like he he is real <laughs> in that universe somehow. He thinks he's in the middle of a Cassavetes film and no one told him. That it's, <laughs> it's no one told him John Cassavetes died like 10 years ago. <laughs> he's like, sorry, man. I don't know. <laughs> he was supposed to be here. All right, fine. I'll just do it. After these messages. We'll be right back. Calling all kids. Calling all kids. The gangsters and other characters from the Dick Tracy movie are on the loose. And you can catch them on these Cabin Crunch Dick Tracy door hangers. One of four different door hangers in each specially marked box of Cabin Crunch cereal. That's the incredible cast. Now, a lot of them you won't recognize because they're they're under 47 pounds of prosthetics. (laughs) But I got to give a shout out, a huge shout out. Um... To the makeup designer in this movie who actually did such a great job that Al Pacino hired him to be his personal, his personal makeup artist for the rest of his career. And that's John Caglione Jr., nice. who was rightly nominated for and I believe won, I believe he won. Uh, an Academy Award uh, for the make the makeup work in this movie. And I, I, I showed it to my wife, unfiltered wife, and I watched this movie. She had never seen it before. And about halfway through, she goes, you said the makeup on this movie was good. And I was like, yeah, it absolutely. She goes. It's just gross. And I'm like, no, no, no. That's the thing is like these characters were drawn so grotesquely in the comic strip because the joke was what if a gangster's nickname was actually a physical attribute? So let's David Cronenberg these (laughs) into their physical appearance. That's why you have little face and prune face and shoulders and big boy and like lips manless has actual. He looks like one of the fucking the bad guy from biker mice from mars like that kind of he looks like he's drawn like by al hirschfeld it's very you remember that episode of the twilight zone right where the lady wakes up and it's all the like weird face people and they're like she's hideous that's exactly the same makeup that but in a fedora that's that's really that's what you're looking at through most of dick fedora eating like the king and lord of the rings too that's your character oh god that that sound of that sound was truly great i was like i'm with madonna that's gross he tells breathless where she's like used to like when i ate and i was like oh god you did you're like oh you did you're all right (laughs) yeah and she goes you didn't used to be a zeppelin i'm like damn damn. fat shaman all right cool he's learned his lesson well i hope he lives to tell it uh (laughs) it's just so yeah the makeup in this movie is absolutely fucking phenomenal and I, i feel like the ability to bring the comic strip characters to life in a very specific way. And I feel like it's extra taxing when you realize that there are 21 fucking bad guys from Dick Tracy comic strips stuffed in this movie because Warren Beatty didn't know if he'd ever be able to do a sequel. So he just wanted to throw everything into one film (laughs) and they had to design makeup for all of those fucking characters. So there's something so awesome about that because like this is that time where you didn't know you were going to get a sequel. So you just like went for broke. Like oh, yeah. now you have to sign like a four picture deal for a property like this. But like, then it was like, I don't know if I'm going to make another one. Now like, I want to is... see an outline for the sequel. Like what were the next 21 villains physical deformity <laughs> that he wanted to mock? Do not let me get out of this episode without pitching you guys my idea for a Dick Tracy sequel and explaining why yes. that's my idea. But before that, I have to just say that, 
Uh, John Caglioli Jr. also designed Heath Ledger's Joker makeup for the Dark yep. Knight. Oh, shit. So this okay. is a guy that continues to fucking innovate and change the game, and he well deserves that Oscar. And I feel like that's the thing we really need to talk about is you can say whatever you want about the film. Maybe you think it's too cheesy. Maybe you think it's too campy, whatever. This is a movie that even though it, it made a quarter of the box office of Batman is a movie that got nominated for, I believe, seven Academy Awards, including, I mean, not just the technical ones, but as we mentioned, Pacino was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for this yeah, movie. Well-deserved, check. Cinematography. <laughs> like, Vittorio oh. Sor- Storaro, who shot Apocalypse Now, got nominated for this movie. Oh, yeah. Like, and it's beautiful. Amazing-looking movie. That's kind it's of the absolutely weird gorgeous. zone this exists in, though, right? And that's why, again, I was mad at Warren Beatty yelling at Warren Beatty, insulting all the things we like about this. Yeah, right. The unique qualities of the paintings and the miniatures and the insane amount of makeup. Like, that corny shit. Because Dick Tracy's a movie that at that time, none of us, no one wanted Dick Tracy in that era. That was a but. Right. I mean, that shit had been over no, for like that was years. not. It was not a thing. And But what happened is he brought it back and he just filled it with these fucking odd choices. So visually, this movie is just an absolute fucking golden corral buffet of delights yeah right and so yeah i i think that is the fun thing is that this movie is so fucking distinctively visual like even while the soundtrack's going like in it's kind of batman ways and warren Beatty's kind of floating through the movie i guess is the kindest way you can say that um it's just never not fun on the eyes yeah agreed yeah and there's so many i don't know if you guys noticed this i got real Real nerdy here watching it for this episode. There are so many split diopter shots in this movie. Dude, yeah. They look so, so cool. Though. Like, I love that vibe. I love that thing. Like, when they do that in movies, and they don't do it enough in action movies anymore, but that's like one of my favorite, like, noir tropes is those mm-hmm. split diopter shots. It always is like, man, it just takes you back and it puts you in the right frame of mind to watch a movie like this, too. And just like that and all the use of color, you really understand how one of his first movies that he ever shot, Vittorio Storaro, was Bird with the Crystal Plumage for Argento. <laughs> That's right. Oh, shit, like, yeah. oh, basically shoots Dick Tracy like a fucking Gialli movie. Yeah. And it, or Giallo movie. And it's just, it's incredible to watch him do that, but then still understand, like, not be so high-minded that he can't use things like shapes wipes. Do you know what I mean? Right, like yeah. going from one yeah. scene to another with a circle wipe. Love like it. he still understands what this movie is, but then brings all of that beauty to it and all that color to it using that literally using the same like six color palette that they had in the comic strip as his main, which is why the streets look like your, your milk after you've eaten a bowl of lucky charms. <laughs> like there's, there's pink streets and blue streets and green streets. And like all of these, just this is one of the last movies that really utilized matte paintings in such a grand yep. way. Yeah. And just there are shots where you literally pan from one side of the city to the other. And there's only two parts of it that are real. And the rest of it is just this rotoscoped in matte painting that is so gorgeous. Yeah. And I absolutely fucking love it. Yeah, that's what I mean, right? A movie is bizarre and or terrible at times as this movie. When you say it got nominated for all those Oscars, you're like, it actually makes perfect fucking sense. Yeah. And and we just don't get movies of this ilk anymore that have the kind of muscle and talent and money, frankly, behind them as we would get in this era where they were still kind of taking chances on stuff, right? Like, what are the chances today you would have a Dick Tracy with, like, I don't know, 15 people that were nominated for Oscars in it. Like, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. And so the anomaly that this movie is, I think, is still 
it still makes it an awesome movie to go back and hang out with every now and again. Of all the movies that nobody was clamoring for, that led to more movies that nobody was clamoring for. Like, for example, I love The Shadow with Alec Baldwin. Nobody was begging for a fucking Shadow movie. <laughs> nobody was begging for a Phantom movie. Nobody was begging for a Rocketeer movie. Avengers, those movies yeah. all exist. Yeah. These, those movies all exist because, A, number one with a bullet, Batman was a massive fucking success. Yeah. But to a slightly smaller degree, I feel like the pat. this is such a passion project for Warren Beatty that he throws so much behind this that we have never seen a movie like this again, a movie that is based on something that is not, there's no groundswell of support for that somehow has all of this muscle behind it and creates such a unique signature impression in the viewer and has like the cast like this and a, and a crew right. like this, like, and just to be a one and done thing and just exist in that one little place in time, like really speaking to the ethereal nature of even the weirdest trash cinema. Like yeah. it really is something yeah. that I find gorgeous i think you hit some hit on something where it's like this like time capsule type movie where it's strictly the adaptation of like the comic strip and like we haven't seen movies do that because the only other adaptation that i can even think of that would even come close to that is like anytime you'd adapt like charlton comics stuff and they did that with watchmen but watchmen is such a dissection of the genre that it becomes its own thing altogether. And it's, it, you know, again, it's so cynical that it's not like the truism of Dick Tracy is that it's trying very hard to be Dick Tracy and right. succeeds because it's, it's not trying to, it's not trying to subvert the genre. Like we look at it from a 2023 lens, which seems maybe a little more cynical, but that's just because I'm 36 and I'm not, you know, just like, but it did take me back. Like it hit me. It, it, it did hit me in these parts. I was like, man, I was just enamored watching like even there's even when I was a kid watching <laughs> that stunt guy jump off the building onto the light pole oh, and yeah. literally just knock his teeth out. And I'm like that guy, like today I was watching him. Like there's absolutely no way that guy had teeth after that. When I was a kid, I was like, Holy shit. That guy jumped off a building. He's in a trench coat. There's also no way that that was Warren Beatty as he oh, tried no. to. That was like a guy who was six feet tall, by the way. He for, for sure was not Warren Beatty. <laughs> once, once again, the battle cry of they used that take all over this movie <laughs> where we see the stuntman just rack his jaw into pieces yeah. and then finish the stunt and go home. Like, it's just yeah. it's absolutely incredible. It's awesome. Come on, Tracy, get off that building. If they get you, they got a perfect right to do whatever they and we got to get now into the the music of dick tracy because at one point and i didn't mention this yet at one point in the long development process of dick tracy in the early 1970s there was a pitch to do dick tracy as a musical comedy starring sonny bono as dick tracy holy shit and share as test true heart yes probably would have been fucking rad if i'm being honest share is too much for Tess. yeah Sure. That would have no, been, I agree. Would, I agree. Yeah, that's that's the uh, you know ten gallons in a fucking one pound uh, sock, whatever that fucking stupid thing is. I'm saying <laughs> that's an Indiana or, or thing. Griffey's Friday night, whichever <laughs> you want to. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I would uh, be chasing around a breathless Mahoney or Cher. Um, unsuccessfully. Yeah, Cher's breathless Mahoney makes a lot more sense than Cher's Test True Heart. Yeah. I'm with you 100 yeah. percent on that. But the I think a lot of people look at this and even fucking senile sunsetting warren Beatty in dick tracy zooms in was like <laughs> i probably wouldn't have done this as a as a musical comedy and i'm like no that's one of the things that i absolutely believe he pushed for because he has been there 
every step of the way since 1975 in this development process. He has seen and been a part of every iteration of the script, every yeah. iteration of the pitch that I know he's taken little bits and pieces like fucking Infinity Stones and bringing them <laughs> together into his 1990 version. And the musical comedy aspect was absolutely one of his ideas, which is why after he sees uh, Batman, the first person he goes to to score this movie is Danny Elfman. And Danny Elfman essentially just slightly retools his Batman theme and creates the Dick Tracy theme, which is still big and brassy yeah. and and spectacular, but really does feel like just a slight alteration on Batman. It yeah. takes out those kind of bassy my parents are dead sections. Yeah, and just sure, lets it sure, float sure, sure. up. He like replaces it with this like really specific like Shirley Bassey Goldeneye vibe. Like it's like this <laughs> like that whole shit. Oh yeah. I mean, it's possible Dick Tracy's parents are dead, but if they are, it's because of polio, not Joe yeah, Chill. Yeah, they died from you know the the croup or whatever you died from in nineteen twelve. Yeah, or, or because something. he was like taking them to dinner and he's like, "Hey, I got to pull over on this active crime scene." They just got fucking wasted. <laughs> I'm going to leave you with the opera. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was Batman's parents. No, the, th the thing is, oh, awesome. the music in this movie, Danny Elfman said that he, after this movie, would never work with Warren Beatty again because he is, quote, insane. So yeah, I, just, I love that he was just full on like, I did the movie. I would never work with Warren Beatty again, but we got some some great things out of it. And then on top of that, the reason I feel like uh, Stephen Sondheim gets involved is because one of the people that Warren Beatty wanted to direct this movie before he took over was Bob Fosse. What? <laughs> Bob Fosse turned him down, but Warren That's Beatty insane. pursued Bob Fosse as a director Holy for this shit. movie. The more we talk about this, it does feel like Warren Beatty's insane. Yeah, right. But it also feel like now think about all of the musical numbers in that cabaret in yeah, Dick Tracy Fosse, and that think makes about Fosse directing that, which, by the way, just quick sidebar here. I'm not here to tell you that Dick Tracy is a feminist movie, but I will say that the idea of the gangster's mall also being the superior gangster is a really fascinating choice. Yeah. Because, again, spoiler. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Madonna as the blank. Um, yeah. Because the blank in the comic was not Breathless Mahoney. So they made that change for this movie. And she is so much better at running this town and getting things done yeah. than Big Boy Caprice. Because mostly because Big Boy's too busy leading rehearsal. <laughs> Dude, that scene was fucking. That is, I fucking love that scene. It is so funny because you're just like, yeah. somebody just let Pacino off the chain. Like, again, this is like the beginning of this Pacino impression. I want to shake it. I want to feel it. Hey, hey. <laughs> Look, all I'm saying is that that I understand the idea of being a hands on leader, but that is major hands on. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's insane. Yeah. Like you don't see you don't see Oni Madden choreographing numbers at the Cotton Club. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're the owner. You don't have to put the numbers together, too. Like, it's yeah. just so weird for you to think you can do that. Settle down, big boy tar. We got a show to do. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> um, it's got some real, tar, real tar vibes. To your point, though, does it undercut your this could possibly be a feminist argument movie when Breathless's one weakness is literally dick? Again, I believe I started with I'm not here to say oh, it's a feminist movie yeah, because yeah. my <laughs> eyes work, but I do think this one particular element is pretty fascinating that she's allowed to be the better gangster than the gangster who supposedly runs this town. And just like the better cop, right? Like, hey, I'm yeah. Tess. Meet me at a place we've never been to before. And when he walks in, she's not there. And he's like, I ah, just sit here sniffing this weird gas. 
that is the one scene in the movie where it makes sense for Warren Beatty to look confused. He looks yeah. like that throughout <laughs> most of the movie. If you just clip that one scene out for his Oscar nom. Yeah, it's like he's been huffing that gas for like 90 minutes straight. Yeah. I, I love the Sondheim songs in yeah. this, though. I will say that. Like, I, you know, I grew up a theater kid in high school. Like, I was never Same. a musical theater kid, but... I love the the way he's able to write these modern songs and make them sound like 1940s ditties. Yeah. Like he really does a good job with that. I'm I'm a huge Stephen Sondheim fan. Like I was a theater kid all through my like pretty much since I was like 6 up through like high school and like my mom is a musical theater person. So like I think like sooner or later is one of those like just awesome um, awesome movie like written for like written before a movie and i don't think like i don't think movie musicals are often very good this might be the only time i've ever seen like a musical theater titan like steven sondheim step in and write specifically for a movie and totally get the medium like understand mm-hmm. what he's writing for understand what he's doing and write like you know oscar winning hits like it's it's pretty amazing boys we're back in business back in business It really is. And I, I will say, though, the one downfall of the Sondheim songs is that they're used in the montages. And when I say montages, <laughs> I think I think only Rocky Four has more montages than this movie. <laughs> and the Sondheim songs that are used in the montages aren't so much songs as they are musical descriptive audio for the visually impaired. Yeah. Because they're so <laughs> on the nose that it's literally like, hey, ba- big boy's back in business. What should the song be called? Back in business. <laughs> it ain't it great. Okay. Now, uh, Dick Tracy's on a, uh, he's on uh, surveillance and he's following her. What should the song be? Now I'm following you. It's like, okay, <laughs> you don't have to say what they're doing in the scene. That doesn't have to be the basis of the song. <laughs> Taking a on tests and getting rid of kids so I can bang Madonna. <laughs> right? <laughs> don't go smelling those flowers, Tracy. They will knock you out. Like what? I <laughs> <What the> <laughs> uh, it's <laughs> it is like it is a fatal but it, flaw. It works. That's but the, it does work. Weird bulletproof armor at this movie. You can do anything as dumb as you want, and it kind of just adds to the magic of this this fucking bulletproof movie. It does have this like it does have this singular bulletproofness of like you just like shrug. You're like that's eh, pulp. Like there is this like really specific genre trope it's trying to hit through the entire movie where you're like it's a pulp you know it's a pulp story you're like oh cool yeah yeah like if, as long as you stay in that mindset and not try to be like what is this trying to tell me about the world at large like nothing it is strictly yeah. about dick tracy and like and, they have by a the way, sports caster who calls the, the fucking back and forth between police and crime yeah. bosses by the way <laughs> the like the i because in the you know in the noir movies they would often call people dicks because you're a private dick. Him being called Dick Tracy and then constantly, like I my my head turned like five times when people were like Dick and I'm like, are they talking about his dick or yeah. is it? Oh, or you that's him on purpose. Straight dick that meant the truth. Yeah. When Big Boy said you dumb dick and you you're dumb like, dick, uh, I was like, that was he, specific, he's talking uh, about his penis. Like there was like there's gotta be the, the, like, the there worst. Was, there were a lot of those. Was uh what was it that. God, the fucking guy in the blue suit. Uh, 30 seconds, no more dick. 30 seconds. Itchy. No <laughs> God, Alex, dude. we've actually Itchy. had a drink with that guy. Ed O'Ross. Really? Yeah. yeah, remember, he was friends with Tom Downey. Oh, shit. So you're we right. With him one night at a tiki. I can't remember what. Me and him fucking it's got, we got into it about something. I can't remember what me and him were yelling so, at each other about. 
holy can shit I, can i tell you a funny story about i've never met him but i in addition to the playmates weird blocky action figures i had a whole series of you guys remember that you used to be able to buy like a pack of figures they did they were molded and they couldn't move out mm-hmm. of one pose yeah they were like frozen in that pose they were like a little bit harder than plastic yeah. figures but oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah you would buy them in like a set i had a set of dick tracy toys that had the william Forsythe flat top holding the tommy gunner oh, awesome. and like you know dick tracy's fists are out or whatever itchy was holding a gun by his left side and his right hand was scratching his neck <laughs> like that character could have been called Bedbug. yeah I was gonna he's say, just yeah. constantly scratching himself yeah or absolutely. just a guy who itched at an inopportune time like that like that's like that's that awesome <laughs> i do my because like when we take the kid now to uh i keep a lot of the toys we get from like mcdonald's because i i think about when i was a kid and <laughs> how desperately you want half that shit back yeah oh like God. honestly All i was just it. like yeah. i should keep some of these things because like i remember enjoying having like that's how i feel about like the dick tracy toys is now i'm thinking about it. i'm like man that was just shit that we just had around like you could just you could find it any like you know that, that you was know, available you know the ones i still to this day think about and it haunts me that i got rid of were the land before time hand puppets from pizza hut pizza hut Yep, yep, absolutely. It still yep, fucking yep, yep. drives me nuts that I don't have those. I don't know why. I thought you were going to say that or the McDonald's Transformers. That was going to be the other Look, one. Look, here's of. the thing, Dandino. I, I'm glad that you two will be the only two people who don't judge me when I say that while most people, if they get a hold of time travel, are already booking their ticket to go back and kill Hitler, <laughs> I'm going back in time to find like my eight-year-old self when he gets the hotcakes pterodactyl, yep. slap <laughs> my younger self in the face, Take that pterodactyl and come back to the present where I now own it. Yeah, I'll be completely honest with you. Going back to kill Hitler's a little too noble for me. Like, I agree with anyone who wants to do that, but like, there's no way I'm capable of uh, being that that adventurous. I'm not. Good. Look, I'm not. Good you will, you you want to go back in time and interrupt Oppenheimer's research because you think the atomic bomb is actually the downfall of, of Western civilization? Fine, that's your business. I'm gonna go back in time and get a full set of the Flintstones, the movie figures yeah. and cars and houses that McDonald's put out when you when they used to put out McDonald's toys that were the size of a fucking book in every happy <laughs> so book. awesome so Man, awesome. i don't know what Incredible i would go back stuff. i would i mean i wouldn't go back and maybe like want to catch someone doing something tricky you know what i mean like lincoln at a fucking like brothel like that's probably what i would set my time machine for. okay that's great that's no but did, did lincoln have a full collection of mac tonight figurines oh because yeah if that's he a good didn't, point. i'm not interested six simper mac tonight you know what i'm saying i'm not here to talk shit on abraham lincoln did he have mint condition Wildcats toys? I don't think so. Wait, that guy, that guy looks. If if I wrote a screenplay for you about a guy who like collects body parts, that's the image you would see in your head. I get it, but I also want to go back in time and figure out why my grandparents got me an entire set of Robin Hood Prince of Thieves toys that were basically, <laughs> and I mean this literally, reworked Ewoks toys from yeah. Return of the Jedi. Yep. Yeah. And beyond wondering why they did that, just how to get them back. Like, Actually, that's really my goal. you know, if I was going to go back and solve a toy mystery, I would solve why they decided to not make the Robin Williams hook toy. Robin Williams. That always Great bothered question. me. Great that question. Great question. That had that awesome coconut sword, though, that you could get. Yeah, yeah. Mark. That was oh, dope oh. as hell. That was dope as hell. I still don't understand why Robin Williams couldn't have been hook in the hook car, in the hook toys. Yeah. Very weird. After these messages. We'll be right back. There's more than one way to win cash in McDonald's Dick Tracy Crime Stopper game. Give it up, prune face. Collect the mobsters from your game cards and watch for their ugly mug shots each week at McDonald's. Make a match and you can make a million. Aha! Uh-huh. There 
Where's the old pucker put? We solved that case without a wrinkle. <laughs> we? Dick Tracy. The movie is only in theaters. I'm rubbing him out. Game is only at McDonald's. Can I ask a question that has been haunting me for years about the movie <laughs> Dick Tracy? Absolutely. Does this kid have a tapeworm? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I understand Among other things. and being hungry, but he seems to be getting plenty of like garbage can bologna sandwiches. So he's not <laughs> starving to death. But man, there are multiple, and this is kind of what makes it perfect for junk food cinema. There are multiple eating montages with this fucking kid. Yeah. I'd say, among other ailments, this young man definitely has some form of worm living inside him that's grown several feet long. It's the worm of capitalism, to. dude. He's out there <laughs> living with, with, uh, Tommy smacked his wife and he can't get any fucking sustenance. He's got to run six miles into town through all that color. That's burning extra calories in his eyes. Oh, you're Oh, you're you're so you're saying there's no tapeworm. He's just, uh, he's just running against the capitalist regime. Yeah, man. I think, I think the man's just trying to keep him down like Dick Tracy. That's why there's all these fucking grotesque criminals everywhere. Could it, could it be that no matter how much food he hoards, he still has to split it with Edward James Fagan? And that's why <laughs> he's so hungry that he has to Oh, eat my everything. God. Edward James Fagan. That's a good one. That is quality. Yeah. I can't yeah. say his real name because I don't want his action figure to get pulled again. Uh, but I will say in the pursuit of capitalism, another thing that really appealed to me uh, about this movie as a kid was the watch. The yes. Can you guys imagine living in a future where you could talk to people from your watch like that is something i still hope we get to see in my lifetime my wife got an apple watch and i what? forced her What's this now my wife got an apple watch and i forced her to only talk to me for like a week on the watch and i was she Whoa. was like what are you talking about and she was like i was like this is the dick tracy thing like this is a dick tracy moment and she was like i don't care about that i'm <laughs> like i we're, we're not we're not gonna be together anymore that's that's grounds for divorce but no when i first got my <laughs> apple watch you're like in the bedroom like i'm ready now come in cue andrea cue andrea at, at least once a day my wife would get a text it was just me talking into my watch and it would say get down to the south side pier there's trouble <laughs> and then somehow somehow the phone would then dictate dun 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 dun, dun, dun. like i don't know how it did that but it I mean, did. it's not your fault i mean that's just the way that's just the way radio watches work <laughs> I do love that um, in Dick Tracy zooms in, he takes a shot. And he's like, well, I thought I had the greatest technology till fucking Zoom came along with my radio. <laughs> you want big boy to hear that? Pomegranates. 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 He also admits that he's 105 years old. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And I'm just like, I can't, I can't with you, man. I just, you know... I, I want to feel bad for you, but now you're saying shit like that. And I'm just going to focus away from that and think about the amazing costumes yeah. in this movie. Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, one one area in which I feel like this movie got snubbed at the Oscars was it did not win the Academy Award for costume design, which it absolutely fucking should have. Because just the the colors they use and the, the different types of costumes to accentuate the weird faces yeah. and the it's just my God. My God, it's incredible. And it's Melina Candonero who also designed costumes for, you know, The Shining right. and Barry Lyndon and has four fucking Academy Awards. Yeah. And this this should have been among them. It's it's ridiculous that it went to a production of Cyrano. Cyrano de Bergerac. How did she which, not win that year? Good Lord. Yeah, I, it went to that production with Gerard Depardieu, which, by the way, <laughs> Depardieu is French for should have lost at the Oscars. <laughs> 
I don't know if you you guys are aware of that, but yeah, the costumes in this movie. <laughs> Just and I feel like another reason why me as a kid really latched onto this movie. In fact, I remember we used to go to Disney World all the time. And do you guys have you guys been to, to Disney World in in the past multiple times? Or yeah, I've only been since I think the last time I was, was like sixteen. I do not remember. Okay. Do you remember when it was the MGM Studios before it was Disney oh, yeah. Studios? They had a ride called the Backlot Tour. Yep. Yes. And I always loved it because it even even as I was like a a tween, it felt frozen in time because you would go and see like the houses from the Golden Girls and Empty Nest <laughs> mm-hmm. long after those shows had been off the air. <laughs> yeah. But they would take you through this costume department and they were never actively working on anything. So it was always just mannequins set up with like Roger Rabbit costumes. And there was always at least one Dick Tracy costume yep. on that tour. And I loved seeing it. So like, that's another, I think touch point for me as a, as a young fan of this movie and something that I've grown to appreciate more as I've gotten older and revisited it again and again and again. Yeah. I do remember the Dick Tracy costumes when I was a kid, like that one, I, I, or, um, especially, I do remember seeing it when we went on that backlot tour. I think the first time I went to Disney World, I was like six. I remember seeing it then, but that was like, yeah, yeah. those that 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 and then the great movie ride were the two like main things I cared about when we went to MGM Studios. <laughs> Dandino, can I tell you? I used to get off the great movie ride, go back in line for the great movie ride, and get immediately <laughs> back on the great movie ride over. And I had a dream as a thirteen-year-old that one day I would grow up and be the gangster on the great movie ride. That was my fucking <laughs> goal in life. It's what I was destined to do, and then they closed it and wrecked that dream for me. We could just do that, dude. We could just make that dream happen. I remember being terrified, like terrified of the aliens section. Now, I thought it was awesome, but I remember the shit getting scared out of me. I remember the smell smell of that section. Like it had a weird kind of sulfury smell. It was, oh my God, it was so immersive. And you're right, terrifying. Yeah. But I also remember lines that the gangster said on the ride, like when he got to the Temple of Doom (laughs) area and he's like, that is one cool hunk of ice. (laughs) And then he would go up and touch it and then he would get killed and then your tour guide would come back. Guys, I rode this thing probably 700 times. So awesome. (laughs) Oh, I miss it so much. I miss it. So, okay. I told you we can't get out of this episode without oh, yeah. me pitching you guys my sequel for yeah. Dick Tracy. In the process of doing research for the show and my Pepe Silvia moments, I discovered that in the comic strip in the early 60s, uh, Dick Tracy went to space. This is a real thing that happened. <laughs> awesome. He had, a, he had a rocket ship slash car nice. called a space coupe, yeah. and he had adventures on the moon. So here is my pitch. My proposed sequel is called Dick Tracy colon Sheriff of Moon Valley. The villain is a character called Mr. Intro. This is really for you can look this up. It's from the comic strip. He was a collection of disembodied voices, which also incidentally would be a good reason to bring Danny Elfman back because a lot of his film scores have a have weird disembodied voices. So I feel like he could design a really creepy theme for Mr. Intro. Uh, But then you have like all these scenes of Tracy driving around in the space coupe. And I just feel like this could be Dick Tracy's Beetlejuice goes Hawaiian. I want to (laughs) see I want to see what that movie looks like. So that's my pitch is Dick Tracy, Sheriff of Moon Valley. Do that. Do the aliens have bulbous faces? Yeah. Are they, are they the same face as Mr. Blank as the blank? Cause that blank is pretty alieny. 
Not he's very very creepy and the thing is we could we could blend in the the smell and the texture and the scariness of the alien section of the great movie ride into dick tracy colon sheriff of moon valley <laughs> atomic age dick tracy tell me you wouldn't fucking watch that yeah i'm down that's 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 a, that's, that's a sell that's the thing you could use that i'd buy that in the room like, it's like huge mutant gangsters right so you could get even more awesome makeup i love it dude so what I need to do now is uh, do my own Zoom call before Warren Beatty somehow gets the rights to this movie as well and uh, just kind of avoid any problems. Dude, would that not be hell right now if all of a sudden it's like, hey, I'm Dick Tracy. I joined you on the call right now. <laughs> we just had to talk to Dick Tracy. Right. Fucking Malton, Leonard Malton hands me a phone. It says uh, Warren Beatty's on the Zoom. <laughs> What I, if I, don't, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what you want me to do right, about this. What if I could get us on a call with Dick Tracy? Not Warren Beatty, Dick Tracy. You know, I feel like as long as it ends with the two of them having dinner at the Polar Lounge yeah. or wherever. Do you think the, he uh, has uh, that dichotomy? I think he probably does. Like, he's that I, he's that crazy. I wonder who Annette Benning has to sleep next to. Wait, wait, wait. wait. By, by, uh, by do you think he has that dichotomy? Do you mean he's disassociating? <laughs> yeah, is he, yeah, I think he might have DID now for sure. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. And bef- before we get into the junk food pairing, I just the one other thing that I've, I've come to notice, you know, once I put away childish things and became a man and watched Dick Tracy, I've noticed that you could also call this movie Dark Tracy, because as much as there's like sing songiness and like singing what we're doing in a fancy little voice, like <laughs> there's like cops that are straight up murdered during a happy montage. Yeah. There's oh, like. Yeah. The movie opens with what is effectively the St. Valentine's Day massacre. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Shit. There, there's kids getting beat up. There's uh, all the bad guys. And again, this has to be the element that hung around from the Walter Hill draft are just getting mowed down on my. You almost feel bad for the villains because they don't have a fighting chance. They all get Sonny Corleone in this. Yeah, movie. that final shootout's pretty harsh. I thought the same thing. I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, you never see any of them bleed out, but like flat top, like lasted a lot longer than you'd think with a guy with a head like that like <laughs> like all the cops are terrible shots yeah. are like you know stormtrooper style shooting in this movie dick tracy's sure. partner starves to death after he springboards him out of the locker room <laughs> yeah it's it's a sad tragic tale man you mean the cirque du trace moment yeah he's just like hey are you gonna get me and dick trace's like no i gotta run around and do shit <laughs> Look, I know you are a beloved actor for both uh, John Cassavetes and David Mamet, Seymour Cassell, but I'm going to leave you in this fucking attic until you starve. We're going to need see less Cassell, if you know what I mean. I got to go chase Al Petrino as he bobsleds underneath Chicago. As he bobsleds underneath and begrudges himself to to test true art the actual actor just complains about the movies and as he's doing the scene i'm just realizing how funny it is that james Kahn is in this movie and yet it's every other villain that gets sunny corleone and sunny corleone gets apollonia so it's just straight up apollonia it's just a very interesting uh disassociation (laughs) i'm so happy with what i got And that brings us to the junk food pairing. And I feel like this is the the easiest movie to do this with. Like I said, I feel like there's a section of this movie that's custom built for junk food cinema. The when do we eat section? Um, so there's, you know, all the, these scenes of this kid shoveling all this food into his mouth uh, and these innumerable eating montages. But beyond all of that, I feel like the junk food pairing I'm going to have to go with is the weird can of office chili. 
Oh my God. Yes. Why does Dick Tracy have a can of cold chili in his office all the time that he just stirs and never eats? <laughs> I didn't even think about that. It's probably like that polar bear dick torture machine. Well, it's weird as he like a recording. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can you go back to whatever the fuck you just said and explain that the polar bear dick water dispenser? The water torture. The water. Oh, torture got thing. it. OK. Yeah. I thought you were talking about something you experienced in your time in L.A. And now I realize. What you were <laughs> no, yeah, Griff, you, that was a bar sinister thing for Griff. Got it. Got it. It got would have loved Dick it. Tracy at Bar Sinister. No doubt. He was either that or something from cruising that you were referencing. That I just <laughs> remember. No, it's a it's a water dispenser recorder. He can somehow do like a wicker. It's like when Batman scratches the CD and and Batman returns. Somehow he can turn mumbles into a normal voice, man. But why is the CD player in the Batcave also have the Bat logo on it? Like, does you really need to brand everything that much just for you? Yeah, yeah. Because no one else is supposed to be in there. So why does that need to be branded? It's probably it's important. He brings in Robins to get shot at in their green and red costumes and yellows. Well, it's so they don't take the CD player and play their loud rock and roll music. No, it's mine. See, there's a bat symbol there. Much like uh, Jason Todd, they really crowbar that in there. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with a weird can of office chili that is also some kind of stress ball for Dick Tracy, and that is my junk food pairing. How about you guys? I think I'm going to go with that Costco hot dog deal, right? Costco has that gigantic fucking hot dog and a soda for like $1.50, right? Yep. So I'm going to get that. But then I'm going to walk through the parking lot and see how many kids who haven't eaten in a week come chasing after me. <laughs> right. So it's like a meal and a way you got to eat it. What if for a whole day you had to do that and then leave and five minutes later go, when did we eat? And then they take you back and you do it again. And you just keep doing that until you can't say it anymore. <laughs> and these fucking kids just watch my fat body eat another massive hot dog. <laughs> it's like once you get to Saw 17, these will be the kind of traps that they put together. <laughs> In Saw 17, it's just the audience like, just fucking kill us, please. Like, we're done. (laughs) (laughs) Jigsaw just singing, sooner or later, you're going to be mine. It's like, didn't you have cancer, dude? What the fuck? Can we just be (laughs) I'll just choke myself on thin mints. Yeah. Jigsaw zooms in. I can't wait for that. (laughs) Uh, Dandino, how about you? What's your junk food pairing? (sighs) I think I'm going to have to go. So. You took the chili can, but I'm gonna have to go with uh, that uh, chili that he makes in the uh, in the diner that Dick Tracy apparently hates but can't stop eating. Like, there's no question that Dick Tracy's bowels are just destroyed. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, like that would be my. I mean, that and then. <laughs> oh, dude! What if you use like ballpark chili, but you like poured it on McDonough like Ricky Martin commer- like videos, yeah. right? Like. The candle wax in Ricky Martin's sexy videos is now just like chili dog chili. Yeah. See, like I'd take that chili. Yes. I'd take that chili on Griffey's Costco dog and take it to Club Ritz and eat it there despite everyone. Nice. Like, I feel like you, you are way on your way. you well on your way to exiting like Ralph Bird. You know, like you really <laughs> going to be the next casualty of this yeah, franchise yeah. there's like a Being whole there's a whole tray of t-bone steaks that are just like there for crafty yeah absolutely i will say picking up a whole pork chop and just eating it like a cookie like this kid does in the diner like i i could totally see myself doing that yeah absolutely i there's a lot of food eaten in this movie that like i would have no gumption like probably eating very similarly if i was sure. a that hungry <laughs> but also i'm just an animal so yeah. no fucking in this movie kids <laughs> junk food pairing is Paul Malls as fast as he can before the camera's back on him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just dunking him out in the street water. <laughs> All these fake fucking freckles on my face. Yeah. 
someday I'm going to be Peter Pan's bitchy son. They don't know yet. Shh. He's doing he's doing like the Andrew Dice Clay smoke, the over the shoulder <laughs> thing. Yeah. He's like fucking old limp dick over there. Won't touch breathless. I'll frisk her. Come over here, baby. Come over here. <laughs> but he doesn't like Dame as much, apparently. So. Oh, guys, thank you so much for being here and talking Dick Tracy with me, a movie that I am. I love and I'm fascinated by. Oh, thanks for having us, man. I feel like we could probably do another two hours on this movie just because it's so, so layered and weird. Yeah. And every single layer is weirder than the last. Yeah. And I, I absolutely adore that. Uh, but please tell the listeners at home where they can find y'all on the interwebs. Grief. Yeah. Well, first off, thank you for having us, Brian. I hope yeah. this episode is awesome for all the uh, the junkions out there. Uh, our podcast is uh, Film Alchemist. You can find us on all the social media you're on. We have a Patreon if you want to help support our show. Uh, Film Alchemist Pod at Patreon or Patreon.com slash Film Alchemist Pod. That's it. That's the one I was looking for. Uh, yeah, we talk about movies uh, with less knowledge than Brian and Cargill. We just kind of, yeah. you know, talk about shit. We, we pick a movie and we chat it up. So, yeah, if you're interested, that's Film Alchemist Podcast uh, where you can find me and Alex. It's a good time. Fantastic. Well, of course, you can find us at Junk Food Cinema on all your favorite social media platforms and our entire back catalog, wherever you cram things into your ear holes. And we have a Patreon as well. And I hope that you use the Patreon because you get behind me, we all profit. You challenge me, we all go dark. There was one Napoleon, one Washington, one me. Uh, pomegranate.